0: Can we all give it up for our lead pastors? Pastor Ro, Pastor Lee, they're watching. They are on sabbatical. You know, that means this is like when the parents, you know, go away for a couple weeks. That's it, guys. We having a house party. <laughs> um, they're also celebrating their anniversary. Uh, so grateful to Ro and Lee and um, what they've done the church that we have, that has come through the vision that God's given them, and really their obedience. Uh, One more time for our pastors. We love you. We are in, I don't know what week, I just know it's the second to last week of the series, The First Letter of John. We have been deep diving. We got our Bible nerd hat on tight. We've been deep diving in this letter. I can't breathe through my nose, so I'm going to be a little out of breath at times, guys. Don't judge me. It's not because I'm gaining weight, all right? Don't be like that, Ruby. You wouldn't be out of breath if you were doing some laps. Don't do that, okay? Keep your comments in your brain. Um, But let's just get into it. We are uh, supposed to be unpacking uh, verses 1 through 12 of 1 John chapter 5. But when you read uh, verses one through three, you see that they really tack on better um, to the last section of what we covered last week. And, you know, I'm humble enough to admit that I am not going to try to re-preach anything that Pastor Marquez preached last week because that message was phenomenal. It was amazing. Um, And so if you want to know more about uh, us loving others and through through God, you can check out last week's for a replay. So we are going to pick up actually from verse four as John is starting a new theme here. It says, for every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. And we're, just in case you're wondering, we're reading out of the message translation today. Jesus, the divine Christ, he experienced a life-giving birth And a death-killing death. Not only birth from the womb, but baptismal birth of his ministry and sacrificial death. And all the while, the Spirit is confirming the truth, the reality of God's presence at Jesus' baptism and crucifixion, bringing those occasion alive for us. A triple testimony, the Spirit, the baptism, the crucifixion, and the three in perfect agreement. If we take human testimony at face value, how much more should we be reassured when God gives testimony as he does here, testifying concerning his son? Whoever believes in the son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. Whoever refuses to believe in effect calls God a liar, refusing to believe God's own testimony regarding his son. This is the testimony in essence. God gave us eternal life. The life is in his son. So whoever has the son has life. Whoever rejects the son rejects life. Could you guys bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment as we pray? And as I open my water bottle. Lord, we just thank you for this series that we've been in. And I really just ask that your presence be forth right now that you will speak to your people and you know regarding whatever situation they may be in today lord even lord that you may talk to them whatever you know this message has its topic god but you know their heart so that you may touch them as they hear as they're here to hear from you today god not me in your name we pray amen so as you know you know that beautiful lady that was here just a moment ago, is my newly, I don't know, to, I'm newly married. I'm a married man. That's it. Marlon said, Marlon, every time he sees us, he's like, I can't even talk to you the same no more. That's it. What are we, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm newly married, and it's, it's new, like, there are things that I'm learning about being married. Where are, where are veteran married folk at? Who, who been there, you know, Javi, Javi, how long, Javi, 16 years, sheesh, we got people who are 16 years old here. You've been, as, you've been married as long as Bishop's been alive. That's crazy. I've been married going on a month now. Uh, <laughs> And I'm learning things, mostly about myself. Like, I've been learning things that I thought I knew that apparently I don't, you know? I thought I knew how to dry myself when I get out the shower. I'm wrong. Apparently, <laughs> apparently that is just not the case. Uh, Yvette, you laughed too loud at that. Here's, here's things that I thought. So, see, I'm a deep thinker. Like, I, I be deep in thought, you know? And apparently, apparently... I'm such a New Yorker that I don't just talk with my hands. I think with them, too. But I didn't know this. Yeah, this whole time, I had no idea people could tell when I go in deep in thought. Not, no, my wife, there's just something about living with someone 24-7. They just can observe things about you that you didn't know. Like, we will be mid-convo. She'll look at me. She'll go, where'd you go right now? Come back. Come back. Where'd you, where'd you go? Come back here. Or I will be deep in thought. We're driving and I'm deep in thought. You know, sometimes you got to rehash those arguments with someone. Sometimes it's the person that you're with. Rehash, you're making a good point. And I'll hear this from, you know, I'm in la-la land and I just hear this from the other side of the car. Who are you talking to right now? And I'm just like, could you leave me alone? Could you just? I'm, I was in a good point right now. Could you leave me alone right now? She's like, all right, whatever. Just tell whoever it is that I say Hi. And so here I am thinking that like, you know, when when I'm in thought, I'm just here. But apparently there's this whole movement that I'm doing. This next thing, really, it comes by way of this. See, I thought my whole life, I thought that good night meant good night. You know, like when you say good night to someone, it's like, all right, have a great day. Talk to you next time. Good night. And so silly me entering my marriage thinking that when I lean over and look to my spouse and I say, I love you, sweetie good night. And she looks at me and she says, I love you, sweetie pie. Good night. That that is the end of the day. That's the end of the conversation. I'm going to roll over, go to bed. No, that is not the case. Five minutes later, and it always starts the same, always starts the same. Oh, I forgot to tell you. And there's a whole monologue of, oh, I forgot to tell you. And this, this can happen throughout the night. It can happen at any point in time. I have gone to use the bathroom, come back in the middle of the night thinking she sound asleep. And I hear, oh, I forgot to tell you. It's like, I thought we said goodnight. Can you remember in the morning? It's like, please. And it's not even fair because apparently, listen, you know how people say I can do this in my sleep? I am so committed to talking that I can do it in my sleep. And I do do it in my sleep. She will talk to me while I am knocked out. And Dream Reuben talks back. Here's the problem, though. Dream Reuben doesn't know what's going on in the real world. Dream Reuben is dealing with dream, dream world things. Dream Reuben got dream world problems. Dream Reuben. sometimes, the other day, Dream Reuben was on Google. And she's talking to Dream Reuben. She's like, how's your day, Dream Reuben?" Dream Reuben goes, I'm looking it up right now. Look it up. She's like, what did you just say? I'm like, leave me alone. Just leave me alone like have some sympathy here. Literally the other day, um, <laughs> literally the other day, like I think two days ago, I wake up and I hear her. She just goes, did you figure out your trauma? I'm like, Ooh, I got her. Cause that makes no sense. What is she talking about? She's knocked out. She's talking in her sleep. You know, I'm looking for my phone. I'm like, I got her. And I see that she's actually fully conscious and she's talking to me. And she's like, did you figure out your trauma? I'm like, we, this is a really deep conversation to be having so early. She's like, well, you were talking about it all night. Apparently, Dream Ruben goes to dream therapy and was letting some stuff out in the middle of the, I didn't even know. I was like, I forgot. Awake Ruben blocked it out already. Um, so apparently, I talk in my sleep. Been alive 28 years. Never knew I talk in my sleep. I have full-blown conversations. I thought I talked too much awake. Um, And I'm also learning the depths of my memory, well, really, the lack of it. Like, I always knew I had bad memory. Amanda has shown me that it's worse than I thought. And the problem is, is I'm arrogant, and she's Puerto Rican. You know, so, like, sometimes she'll, she'll tell me about an event that she has not told me about. She'll be like, oh, yeah, I can't that day because I'm going after a wedding to work, and I'm like, you know, me, the pastor that I am. You know, I'll sit down and I'll be like, hey, honey, you know, I just want to give you some feedback here. You know, it's great that you're doing the wedding. Oh, that's amazing. But I just feel like, you know, communication is a very important thing in this relationship that we're doing. You know, it's, it's vital. And I just want to give you some feedback for future reference. It would be lovely if you could just communicate that ahead of time, not, not so last minute, you know, so I could be prepared. You know, like I said, she's Puerto Rican, so she'll let me finish, even though I'm wrong. Um, she'll be like, okay, that's cool, because I did. <laughs> I told you last week. I told you Tuesday. I have a text message. She'll start pulling out. I have a text message. It's also on our shared calendar that you suggested that we use. So I, I did. I did tell you. Uh, we. <laughs> it's so bad that literally, like, I've, you know, I have this message prepared, and it's already happened twice today. I was frantically looking for my phone, like, I don't know where I put my phone, where my phone go right away. She goes, it's under the laptop. Like I just told you it was. And then we're on the way to church and she's like, where are you going? We have to pick up Natalia. And I'm like, you didn't tell me that. She's like, I literally told you three times. I'm like, that's crazy. You're living my anecdote. (laughs) We are in the place and I'm just accepting things about myself, learning about myself in a way I didn't know. And really I have this hunch that if you're married, that's just the dynamic, right? Like it is, if you're a wife your relationship is you telling your husband things that he swears you never told him. Well, I heard unmarried people. Mm-hmm. That's how real it is. And I swear, I'm like, you're gaslighting me right now. This is not true. This is a lie. I rebuke this. I really like, feel like there's no way. like That's how bad my memory is. And then she'll put out a calendar, and I'm just like, I'm sorry. But we're at this point, a month in, we've learned that just... Amanda reminds me about things that she's reminded me about. And this is what we're accepting. It's like reminders for reminders. And I mentioned that, and I'm going to use this as a segue here, because this is where we find ourselves in the letter of John. John's community, this church that they say may have been Ephesus, or in Ephesus, has just had a crisis. They've just gone through a crisis and he is reminding them. These five chapters are him reminding them of things that they know. And it's actually a very seemingly repetitive document because he is wanting to reaffirm and let them know of things that they've been told. But what he wants to do is ground them amidst uncertainty and amidst doubt. And it's what I want to do here today. I want to address any of us who may be in that place. And maybe you're not in that place today, but maybe a week from now, maybe months from now, maybe years from now, this is a message that you find yourself turning to. And I want to remind you of what John reminds this community. And this is the reminder. This is what he opens with in in verse four. He says, every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the son of God. This is John's epic reminder. So I want to remind you that the one who's placed their faith in Jesus is the one who's conquered the world. The NASB says in verse four, for whoever, has been born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. The title of today's message is Faith is How You've Won. Won. Because John is talking about a victory that is established, not one that we strive for. It's not faith is how you will win. Faith is not how you're going to get through this. Faith is not how you overcome. It's faith is how you've overcome. This is the victory, your faith. Your faith is how you've won. And before I can unpack that verse, I really want to unpack the preceding verses because what John is trying to do, he's in debate mode. And what he wants to do is not just leave this as a statement. What he goes on to do in the rest of this section is fully convince them of what he's saying. And to do that, he starts, of course, with Jesus. In verse 6 through 8, he says, Jesus, anyone who simply puts their faith in Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, the divine Christ, he experienced a life-giving birth and a death-killing death. Not only birth from the womb, but baptismal birth of his ministry and sacrificial death. And all the while, the Spirit is confirming the truth, the reality of God's presence at Jesus' baptism and crucifixion, bringing those occasions alive for us. A triple testimony. The Spirit, the baptism, the crucifixion, and the three in perfect agreement. I love that this is where John goes after telling them their faith is their victory. He's like, Let me remind you what your faith is in. Well, not not let me remind you what your faith is in. Let me remind you who you believe in. Let me remind you that you don't believe, it's, it's not what you believe. You don't believe in a doctrine or a dogma or a good teaching or a preaching. You believe in a person. You believe in Jesus. And he talks about the testimony of who Jesus was, the son of God. And he seeks to affirm who Jesus was because everything we believe is built on and predicated on the identity of Jesus being the son of God and the crucifixion where he defeated death and rose again. And I love that this is where he goes because it's not about church. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you should have known better. It's not about who you know, what you ought to know by now. It's not about where you ought to be by now. It's about who you've placed your faith in. It's about the who. It's about Jesus. That's where true life is found. And this is where John starts. And I love it because oftentimes as a preacher, especially a preacher of Kuhau, you get this pang, as as, you know, there's always critiques of the church, but you get this pang like, are we being redundant when we talk about the grace of God? Is it is it trite at this point? Like, how many times do we have to tell people the grace of God, the grace of God, the grace of God, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel? It seems redundant sometimes. It seems trite. You look to churches and they say, Don't keep preaching the gospel. You need more substance. But for John, amidst a community who was doubting, he found the gospel necessary. For John, this is where he starts. He says, Faith is your victory. Let me talk to you about the gospel, about who you believe in. For John, it was necessary. And I think, church, like, sometimes it may become repetitive. (laughs) Sometimes it may become redundant. But if there's one thing we won't stop preaching, is that Jesus was the son of God, and Jesus came to set us free. And through his death and resurrection, we are adopted sons and daughters, and we are set free. And in case... In case you have any doubt in who Jesus was, I love John. He is in apologist mode. He lets you know there is a triple testimony. You, he's, he refers to the baptism scene in which you see the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, affirming who he is. But not only that, you hear the voice of God saying that this is my son who I'm well pleased. This is John saying, hey, this ain't us. This isn't a new uh, Pharisee or Sadducee or, or division of Judaism. This isn't something that the elders got together. and No, no. This is an encounter with the Son of God, whom God has testified about. And then he goes on in verse 9. He says, if we take human testimony at face value, how much more? Should we be reassured when God gives testimony as he does here? Testifying concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. Whoever refuses to believe in effect calls God a liar, refusing to believe God's own testimony regarding his son. This is the testimony in essence. God gave us eternal life. The life is in his son. So whoever has the Son has life. Whoever rejects the Son rejects life. It says if we take human testimony at face value, there is a TikTok, there is a YouTube video for everything that you want to believe. If we take human testimony at face value, how much more, other translations, how much greater is God's testimony? This is the the kind of church we strive to be church. Not that Christ Uncensored gives good teachings and preachings, but Christ Uncensored is a church filled with people who have encountered God. When they say, why do you believe to members of this church? It's not just because we've taught you so good how to fully go through the scripture and uh, find a three-point argument. Those things are great, but ultimately what John is saying here is, this is the voice of God. He's not talking about his own credentials. He's not talking about his own account in this moment. He's saying this is something that God has testified on. And I think in this context, of course, he's talking about um, Jesus. But I think for us here, many of us here, I'm looking at the crowd that's here. We're here post having placed our faith in God, faith in Jesus. And so we're here. But so often that's not the testimony that we have trouble believing. I think the testimony we sometimes have trouble believing is the testimony that God has made about us. Like, are we trusting God when we doubt the things he's declared over our lives? And I've, I've been there. And I know that, that there, it's a struggle at times. I've been there um, being told that I would be a pastor. I've been there um, just knowing my future and, and just even forgiveness, right? Like that's the Jesus died to take away my sins. And it's like, Lord, but do you really forgive me? And I've treated forgiveness like a loan. Like Jesus died to take away my sins, but I have to pay that back. I remember sitting in a counselor's office and she, she said, I think I've said this before, she said, Ruben, does God like you? I'm like, the Bible tells me so. B I B L E. She's like, no, Reuben. Does God like you? I know He loves me. She goes, but does He like you? And I, go, I know He loves me, but do you believe He likes you? Like He likes who you are. I go, I don't. I know He doesn't like the things I do. She goes, but do you believe that He likes you? And I said. I know that I'm supposed to. But I just I just don't see how he could. I think that's true for many of us. It, it, they say that people who struggle with faith often leave the faith um, actually from an emotional place, not an intellectual place. That it's an emotional reason that we leave. And you know, there's so many reasons. And I think it's the same thing here. The reason we struggle with faith. In what God has said about us and what God has spoken over us and who God has said and who God has said we are is because of our emotions. It's not a battle that's here. It's a battle that's here. Because I know it. You know, like sometimes a prophet, somebody prophesies to you, you get slain, you're on the floor, they got the modesty blanket on you, you are done. And then two days later you're like, Waiting for a prophet, that same prophet, to be like, hey, wrong person, actually. Um, I meant that for somebody else. I had the, God had the wrong number, my bad. Just unsent. Like, we're, we have, like, spiritual imposter syndrome. And we live for prophecy after prophecy. Or, you or, know, I know Marquez tells a story, Pastor Marquez tells a story of how he was coming up, coming up, and, and it was like, I've, I've already spoken to you. And I remember being there like I would live like, Lord, give that person a word for me. Because the things that he had already told me in my heart, I did not have enough strength to believe were true. I think we struggle because it's surreal. Like it really is the too good to be true news. And I I remember and I say I remember like this was years ago, right? But. Amanda and I just got married July 31st. And like the first week, <laughs> thank you for that. Who's our biggest fan? Um, Betsy, of course. Um, the first week, you know, I was just saying wife to, cause just to get used to saying I was like, hi, wife. You're my wife. Hey, wife. What up, Mrs. Remedios? And she's like, hi, husband. And we're saying it, but it just sounds so weird. It's like, you're my wife. Like the first couple days, I was like, you're my wife. And she's like, yeah, I know, baby. I know. I signed the papers. I know. <laughs> said the said, I'm your wife. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's like, you know, and, it, and you know, if you, anyone who knows our story knows, like, this is something we've wanted for so long. But it's so surreal. And even now, like, a month in, the, it's not as intense. But every now and then, literally, the other day, I'm like, Oh, snap, I was just really into this show. I totally forgot how to wipe for a second. I was like, that's crazy. Like, this is just day and night, huh? You don't go nowhere. She's like, unfortunately, no. (laughs) I'm just like, it's a surreal experience. And I feel like the gospel is just like that. What God has declared over our lives is just like that. And in many ways, it's scary. I've been a husband. Uh, I have not. I've been a boyfriend. I've never been a husband before. And the newness of this territory is scary. Because I know how to fail as a boyfriend. (laughs) I don't know how to fail as a husband. Like we've said vows. It's a new role that that. Anyone who's not had a father in their life knows that there is such an unpreparedness because no one's taught me how to be a man. So how can I be her man? And it's scary and there's a part of it that, there's a part of me that doesn't wanna accept it sometimes because it's easier to accept that maybe I was wrong about this than, not that I actually like fully, I gotta, she's looking at me, no. There's times. Where it feels like it's easier to accept like, oh yeah, maybe I'm not that than to actually try to fit into the mold because I just, it's just too good to be true. Like, can I really do this? Can I love a woman in a way that I was never taught? And we look at the gospel and it's like, can I really, like, I know that you're saying I'm the righteousness of God, but can I really be? The righteousness of God. Because if that's what I am, doesn't that mean I have to be it? And we have spiritual imposter syndrome. I know you say that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I'm called to this purpose. And I know so many people here in Kuha know their purpose in life and know that they're called to be more than just seat sitters. But can I really be that? And it's scary. We're in disbelief sometimes because the good news is just like, who am I to, to deserve that? I don't. And the problem isn't that the good news isn't good enough. is that sometimes we just feel like we aren't. You know, by the time you get to an age that you can consciously place your faith in Jesus. And I'm, I don't mean like place your faith, like believe in him. I mean after that. Like, okay, I placed my faith in Jesus, but now I got to place my faith in Jesus. I got to trust him. And by the time we get there, our faith has already been distorted and corrupted and let down, and we've been disappointed. And the people who sometimes shouldn't have even been the ones to teach us distrust are the ones who did. And now I got to once again trust in a power that's greater than me and not fear that I'm going to be let down. I just want you guys to know that it's not about your ability to believe. It's about God's loyalty. See, if you look at the text, he says, if you don't believe, and He's, he's in this context, it's about Jesus. He says, if you don't believe, you call God a liar. And that's heavy, right? That's like, oh, what, another, another thing? Like, dang, if I don't believe, if I struggle, I'm calling God a liar? But the context is in not believing the gospel, right? In not believing that Jesus is the son of God. And what John is trying to do is cement the fact that Jesus is. And he's saying that this is God's own testimony that he is. And what John is actually trying to do in a dramatic way, because he might be Puerto Rican too, is say that's how committed God is to his testimony that if you deny Jesus, you can't believe that God tells the truth because God is banking his entire identity on this. He's putting his name on this. He's putting all of who he is. The scripture says God cannot tell a lie. And so God's saying, if this is a lie, I'm a liar. Because I will not change my mind about what I've said about my son. I will not change my my mind about who he is and what he did. I will not change my testimony. So you might as well call me a liar. It's meant to let you know how convinced God is and how adamant he is about who his son is. And in the same way, church, that your belief or unbelief doesn't change God's testimony on who he called Jesus to be and who Jesus is. Your belief and unbelief does not change his testimony about you. He looks at you and says, no, you are righteous. No, you are. You are my child. No, you are called for it. You are, and you cannot believe it. But it's not going to change my mind about you. It's not going to change what I've said about you. It's not going to change who I've called you to be and who I know that you are. And if you don't believe it, that's fine. But I want you to know that I'm not changing my mind. So I might as well be a liar. Because that is how married to his testimony he is about you. And what he said. And so if God has said it, I want you to know that it's not about believing it. It's about knowing that he ain't going to change his mind on it. It's not about your faith in him. It's about his faithfulness to you. It is not about relying on your belief. It's about relying on his truth. And then he he closes this section. He closes this section with this. He says, anyone who has Jesus has life. Anyone who rejects Jesus doesn't. And it's a simple equation. (laughs) Do you have Jesus? In the midst of a trying time, in the midst of a time of doubt and chaos and frustration and and different people teaching different things, John says, I'm going to set the record straight. Here it is. Do you have Jesus? Is your faith in him? Have you you given your life to Jesus? Then you have life. (laughs) I love how simple it is. You have life. And he, he, he is really hearkening back to the top of this text that we read. Every God person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the son of God. Do you have Jesus? The person who wins out over the world, he has Jesus. It's simply the one who has Jesus. Because Jesus says, take heart for I've overcome the world. And if we're in Jesus, we have access to his eternal life. We've overcome the world in him. Because Jesus overcame the world, we have freedom. We have freedom from it all. We have ang- freedom from anxiety. We have freedom from shame. We have freedom from guilt. We have freedom from anger. We have freedom from cursing. We have freedom from frustration. We have freedom from depression. We have freedom from feeling like we're just going to get hurt again. And I know it sounds redundant. Like I know. Like, I'm like, oh. like, God, why can't you just give me something unique to preach? I want to preach something different. Just one, t- one Sunday, God, I want to not bring up Jesus. Because I want to be special and different. I wanna like. And it's like, that's the problem. Is that okay, me and Amanda have discovered, rediscovered really, the power of magic erasers. Anyone a magic eraser fan, like how how mind-boggling. How mind Sherry, like how mind-boggling are magic erasers? And we don't even have the name brand kind. We got bootleg, dollar tree. Magic erasers. You know what's crazy? They clean everything. Every time. Like, I could be cleaning the same thing I cleaned, the same grease stain that I cleaned a week ago. I'm like, just like that? (laughs) This thing cleans everything. You know, you got a, a mancha on the wall? Gone. This thing, I'm like, babe, look, look. We literally, like, call each other over, like, look, look. You saw that thing that I was scrubbing? It just gone i start spilling stuff on purpose i just want to see it go to work like it's astonishing this thing cleans yo there's so many things that this one thing cleans and i forget literally yesterday i'm cleaning my sneakers cleaning 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 after 30 minutes of cleaning you know that was a perfect timing My darling bride, she goes, why didn't you just use a magic eraser? I always forget that I could just use a magic eraser. And I'm always grabbing other things. And a part of it is my own disbelief. Every time I clean something with a magic eraser, I'm like, this white block really just like cleans everything. So I forget. Because there's a part of me that is still in such unbelief. That I don't need something else. I have everything that I need to solve the problem. And so, yeah, at Kuhau, sometimes it's like a relationship series. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Jesus. Because he's our magic eraser. You know what to help your relationships? Jesus. Generosity? Jesus. Unforgiveness? Jesus. Yeah. A purpose life? Jesus. Doubt? Jesus. And you know what happens? We're like, yo, this guy really heals everything. He fills every void, he fills every gap, every issue, he really (laughs) solves everything. And so it's gonna sound redundant. It's gonna sound repetitive because it's but it's because we're convinced that Jesus really solves it. He didn't just come for salvation. And we live in such an afterlife, where am I going to go to heaven or hell, conscious society that oftentimes we, we, we think like, yeah, that's the crucifixion. I'm saved. That's literally, right? That's the term we use. It's a pet peeve of mine. I was just talking to Anthony about it. We say, I'm saved. but Jesus came to do much more than save us. Really, we should be saying, I'm whole. I'm whole. Like Jesus came to make us whole. He came to restore us. He came to reunite us. He came to heal us. He came to empower us. The worship team, you guys could come up. The reality is, you know, uh, it really is astonishing that it's Jesus. And again, like I'm telling you, like, I'm always in disbelief. And I love that this text, it's how it words it, it says that our faith brings the world to its knees. In other words, how we overcome. But I think about that and I'm like, yeah, and I think we drop to our knees too. We drop to our knees in gratitude. We drop to our knees in mercy. We drop to our knees in praise. We drop to our knees in the very wonder and awe and astonishment of what the gospel is. Because the gospel isn't just that you're saved. The gospel is that you're victorious. Faith is how you won. That day that you had that little inkling of a feeling of an encounter and host team had to get the Kleenex out. You just... Jesus, I'm I'm trusting you. That's it. You won. You won. And I think as we get older in the faith, we kind of become cynical. And it's like, oh, I need something else. I need something new. And like there are things that are great. If you know me, I tell everybody I talk to, go to therapy. But the foundation is Jesus. Faith is how we won. How do you keep going even though you can't see a light at the end of the tunnel? You have faith in Jesus. How do you get through another day of this? How do you get through another agonizing day of this? They hurt me again. They said this again. I'm disappointed again. I just don't believe in myself again. It's Jesus. There's this equation that we share often at this church. Ever since we preached it, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And as soon as we posted that clip, you know, all the commenters came out. Nobody from here. So I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> like this equation is wrong. It's not just Jesus plus nothing. You need Jesus plus absolute repentance. Jesus plus absolute just confession and Jesus plus you gotta, you gotta. And they were wrong. I just going to say, you guys were wrong. Comment on this. <clears throat> but I do have to say a PSA. Because Jesus plus nothing is not a complete... Jesus plus nothing equals salvation is not a complete equation. I believe it. But it's the equivalent of saying 3.14 equals pi. Because that's true, but it's not fully true. There are an infinite number of digits of pi. So Jesus plus nothing doesn't just equal salvation, Christ says. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, but it also equals freedom. It also equals victory. It also equals a new life. It also equals eternal life. It equals rest when you are weary. It equals peace amidst anxiety and chaos. It's, it's, I don't know how I'm going to do this again. It's the, the answer in the midst of doubt. It is hope when you feel hopeless. It is loyal, eternal, endless love. Jesus plus nothing is strength when you are weak. The truth of the matter, the total truth is this, that Jesus plus nothing, hear me, nothing, nothing else, just Jesus, just Jesus, what he did, who he is, John goes to bat on his identity because it is who he is. He doesn't talk about who they are. He spends this entire section going to back on who Jesus is to confirm why they have the victory. And it is Jesus plus nothing equals everything you will ever need. Jesus plus nothing. So maybe you're hopeless today. Maybe you're anxious today. Maybe you're bitter today. Maybe you're happy. It's not just the bad things. You need Jesus in your joy. Maybe you're grateful today. You got Jesus. And it doesn't matter, church, and I really wanted to speak to doubt today. I want you to know that it does not matter how much you doubt this thing. It does not matter if you think you deserve this or not because Jesus didn't come when the world deserved it. He came because we were desperate. can't came because we needed Him. When you when you look to God and it's too good to be true and it's like how and how and you say why it's it's just because He loves you. It's because you need Him. Not because you deserve it. Not because you can earn it. Not not because He goes. You're worthy now. He just looks at his son and he says, because he's what's necessary. And he looks at you church, in spite of your disbelief, he says, you're mine. You are my beloved child. And whatever situation you may be in today or find yourself in later. I want you to know that your faith is how you won. Not how you're going to win. Not how you will get through this. No, your faith is how you've already won. Because your faith is in Jesus. The one who's won it all. The one who's conquered it all. The earlier scripture says, if you are in him, that's it. Are you in him church? Can we stand on our feet? Here's what I want to do. I want us to, of course, as always give an opportunity to anyone who wants to do that today, who wants their place to place their faith in Jesus today. Maybe you don't know him and maybe you're like, I just want that. Um, But I also want us to recommit, almost as if you've never believed before. Like I want to replant my faith in him today. I just want to read like, yeah, Lord, my faith is in you. It's not in me. It's not in what happens tomorrow. It's not what's been on my mind these last few weeks. It's on and in you. So we're going to say the same prayer today. We're just going to say it together jesus today i place my faith in you thank you for your forgiveness thank you for your love and thank you for the victory in your name jesus we pray amen and amen come on christ uncensored we're gonna sing that he is worthy of our praise we're gonna sing that he is worthy of it all come on church